0: capital G, little O, little D, that is the reference to the name Elohim. And that is the name of God that shows us a mighty creator, covenant God. So I want to unwrap this name for you to see how magnificent God is, and in fact God's plan for the ages are found in that name. It's a big name because we have a big God, don't we? Amen. It appears over 2,500 times... In the Old Testament. But let's break it apart here. Let's break it down. The first part of the name is El, and that means mighty, strong. And so he is a mighty and strong God. And that's the name given to him at creation, because it takes power and might to create everything out of nothing. Isn't that awesome? That by the power of his word, things came into existence. God said, and it came about. It's not from anything else but God's own authority and power that he made all things. El is God. He is strong. He is almighty. He is powerful. Now, the interesting part is the last application of his name. Elohim, the him part, means a plurality. It's interesting that it makes it a plural name, not just a singular name, because when it comes to strength and it comes to power, he's the power of powers, the strength of all strengths. It's not just a strength or a power. He is all power. And so it's a plurality. And so in every sentence structure, it speaks of this name in a singular sense, but using a plurality of a name. Because he is Elohim, he is God of gods, Lord of lords, all the power that could be in a power, plural, is God. But not only does it show us the plurality of his power and strength, but we understand through the revelation of the New Testament that it reveals to us the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us create man in our image, right? Right? And He created man in His likeness. And so Elohim, in plurality, shows us the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we see the majesty of the Trinity here. So that when God the Father willed, the Word of God, the Logos, was spoken and made all things. And the Spirit brooded or hovered over the face of the deep. The Trinity was fully engaged in bringing forth all of creation. Now, the middle part of the word is interesting. We said El and Elohim, but there's Eloh, and Eloh means covenant-making God. It's the Hebrew word for covenant-making, and it is the sense that God swears an oath. But it's interesting, isn't it? Who would God swear an oath to? No one was made yet. And so when you take the fullness of Elohim, you take the strong power, creative authority of God, and you multiply it into the sense of the Trinity, and that He is a covenant-making God, we understand that God is in union and in covenant unto Himself. There is no other name by which God can swear, so He swears by His own name, makes covenant by Himself. St. Augustine said this about the Trinity and about the power of God. In 1 John, John tells us that God is love. And St. Augustine says this, That if God be eternal, then there must be an eternal lover and an eternal beloved and an eternal spirit of love, which unites the eternal lover to the eternal beloved in a bond of love which is eternal and insoluble. That's a whole lot of love going on. And that means within the very Godhead, you see, you cannot have God defined as love unless there is a love and a beloved. Love must have an object of affection. And within God's own makeup, in His own unity of being, the Father loves the Son in the spirit of that love. And so within His nature and being is love, demonstrated and manifested in action of being. That's heavy, isn't it? That's deep. And so within the Godhead, there is a love, a unity, a triunity, and a power that he kept covenant. And so, therefore, if there is covenant love in God himself, everything that comes out of God is also in that covenant purpose. So anything God makes, he is in covenant with and holds covenant to. God, therefore, is in covenant with the beloved Son. He must, therefore, be in covenant with all that is created by the Son. And we know this, that all things were created by Jesus. There's nothing that was made that was not made apart from Christ. So the Word made all things. Father willed, and the Word made all things. And so all things that Christ made are, therefore, in covenant since they came from Him, They're in covenant to Him because He's in covenant to the Father. All right? I can tell your mind's getting blown. That's good. We're going to go even further than this. Consider this. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities and powers. This is Jesus. All things were made by Him. But here's the clue. Here's the interesting things. All things were created through Him And ultimately, what? For him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Oh, my goodness. There's a lot here. There's a depth of eternity here that is an amazing thing. Elohim is the creator God of all power and strength. Elohim is in unity and in love in His own identity. And Elohim is the covenant-keeping God. And so Father willed that creation would come forth. And the Son declared as love to the Father, all things will come through me unto you and the father so the son created all things to the glory of the father and the father made all things for Christ and so all these things in the created realm and all of creation all of it consists and operates by the ministry of the Holy Spirit so that it all functions together to the glory of God who is in covenant before time began with all of creation, that's what Elohim means. Listen to this, Titus one two. Paul says, "In hope of eternal life, that's what we're praying for. Hope with eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised when before. before time began." Wait a minute, back up here. Eternal life was promised through Christ unto his creation, even before. Everything was created. Do you see the the covenant power of God? The the understanding that within God, that which He is creating, He creates in love uh, unto the Son for the Son. And the Son obeys and brings all things in creation about to the glory of the Father. And so God promised eternal life to all of creation before we fell, before we messed it up, before everything got messed up in the length of time, it was already established that God was in covenant with creation. He cannot lie. He will not break covenant and what He planned, He's able to complete. No matter how much we mess it up, no matter what goes wrong or no matter what fails, God is in covenant with creation because Jesus made it. Wow. Romans eleven thirty six 36, For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever and ever. Paul is looking at all things and in the infinity past and in the uh, understanding of what is eternal in the Godhead, he understands that creation is just simply an extrapolation of what God's love is unto Christ and Christ to Him ordained by the Spirit, so that of Him, it's for of Him and through Him and to Him are all things made. This whole thing's about God. It's not about us. This is all about Him. This is His story. It's all about His glory. We are a part of His love song. We're a verse and a chapter of Christ's love to the Father and the Father's love to Christ. You get to be used as an instrument in the hands of the Holy Spirit to sing a beautiful ode or praise to God in the love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's all about Him. When time began, He had already established His covenant to all things created for the glory of Jesus Christ under the glory of the Father. This thing can't go wrong. Oh, you, you see, it went wrong, but it can't go wrong ultimately because God is in covenant with it. He'll fix everything. Aren't you glad God will fix everything? Now, if he does that on the cosmic level, he'll do it on your level too. Your life might have went all wrong, but it ain't over yet. He is going to coordinate all things working together for the good of that God has called you to, the purpose eternally that is there, which is ultimately the glory of God, to give Him glory. It goes on and it says this uh, in Revelation, for He is the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world, from the foundations of the world. So when was Jesus determined to be a sacrifice for sin? Before the beginning, before time before the foundations, before anything was created, Christ was completely committed to the Father. And anything that came through Christ and from Christ, no matter whatever happened to it, he's in covenant with and he will redeem it so that the Father gets the glory. Listen, this isn't plan B. This isn't plan C. God didn't go, oh no, where are they now? They're in a bush somewhere. Now what am I going to do? Things didn't go so bad that he said, Noah, I don't know what to do. We're going to have to just wash this away and try again. Flush. No. And so many of us think, well, Israel blew it. They didn't receive Messiah. So I might as well ask some Gentiles, what am I going to do? Plan D. Are you kidding me? From the beginning of time, God was master over all things and that He would bring eloquently and beautifully and sublimely all things together to the glory of God. It's His love story. It's His purpose and His will. So Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. All things were created for Him and by Him. Eternal life was promised before time even began. Elohim is that God. Elohim is the one who is so committed to what was made and created that it's going to be alright. And He is going to be Lord over it because He is covenanted to it. Isn't it interesting that God never trashed anything? He never threw it all out. And He never will. Same with your life. You made a mess of things. But He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He cannot Because He promised before the foundation of the world that He cannot lie. That He is in covenant with all of His creation. That is amazing to me. That is amazing to me. I don't know where you're at today and I don't know how much you messed up or whatever you've done. But God is going to bring glory through you unto the Father. Amen. I want to take you into knowing that name. That name Elohim means that it is God the creator who is in covenant to whatever has been created. So consider the situation with Adam. Adam and Eve. And it says this in Hosea 6. Hosea 6 says that, uh, but like Adam they transgressed the covenant There they dealt faithlessly with me. You see, whatever God created is in covenant with God. And immediately as God created man and woman, they were in covenant with him because everything that comes forth from him, he is in covenant with. And that's why his name is Elohim, covenant creator. And as he made Adam and Eve, they broke covenant with God. But isn't it amazing? God would never break covenant with them. He sewed a covering for them and he offered a sacrifice to clothe them. And he promised them a redeemer. But what's amazing about this is it says that in the, uh, in the garden there was a creature more subtle than any other and Satan came in, didn't he? And he tempted Eve. And what did he say and what question did he ask Eve? Does anybody remember? He said, Did... God say, but what name did he use? Capital G, little o, little d. So in light of that, Satan said, did Elohim say, now come on, how dare you question the covenant promises of God? Did Elohim say? You can't do this, you can't do that. Satan attacked the name of God, the character of God, as if he was trying to hide something from Adam and Eve. That verse tells us Adam and Eve knew his name. They knew his name as Elohim, they knew his name was Covenant One, they knew his name as Mighty Creator. And yet the enemy was able to sow enough doubt into their understanding of who God is. Has that ever happened to you? Has he been able to sow into you enough doubt despite all the covenant promises God has ever made to you? Despite all the demonstrations of his love to us, we even still question the name that is above all names. We even question the name of Jesus. Elohim. Did Elohim say, you don't even have to ask me what Elohim said because I'm in covenant with Elohim. That's what Adam should have said. I am in lack of nothing. But the devil made him think they were. It's a lie. You lack nothing. It's the name that God uses whenever he makes covenant. For he said this to Noah. He promised Noah... In Genesis 6.13, Elohim said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, and with thee I will establish my covenant. He said it to Abraham, I am the Almighty God, walk before me, and thou be perfect, and I will establish my covenant between you and me, and thy seed after thee in all the generations, to be a God to thee, and to thy seed, and I will be their Elohim. So he said, I'll promise unto you, Abraham, and all your seed through the generations to your seed. And Paul tells us who that final seed is, doesn't he? It's Jesus. Because God said, I'm in covenant with your seed. He was in covenant with his seed when the Word was with God and the Word was God. God was declaring to Abraham, I'm in covenant with my son who will be your seed as we look down the corridors of time. It all goes back to God's promises within himself. Look at I know that you're, 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 you want to walk holy as God told Abraham, be holy as I am holy. And God provided his very spirit of holiness in us for us to do that. But I'm here to tell you, even if you fail, he won't. Because this is about Him. And so, this isn't about what we can get away with. This is the opportunity for us to give Him glory in everything. That we would live a life that continually gives glory to God. He said to Joseph, Joseph said, I die, but Elohim will surely visit you and bring you out of this land into the land which He swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Again, covenant promise of Elohim. David said, he will ever be mindful of his covenant. That's Elohim, amen? And the book of Numbers says this, Elohim is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? That's Elohim. If you know him by that name, you'll trust him. Adam and Eve knew that name, but they didn't trust him. What I want to share with you today is the power of that covenant-keeping name. It's more than a name. It is the being of God. God cannot lie. If He made you a promise, He cannot lie. If He said He will do this, He cannot lie. If He said He'll give you eternal life, He said it before the foundations of the earth, He'll give it to you. He cannot lie. He doesn't repent. He doesn't relent. If He said it, He'll do it. Why? Because He said it unto His own being. The Father said it to the Son, and the Son said it to the Spirit, and the Spirit says it to the Father. And they are one. So whatever God said is so. Hold on to that. Hold fast to that. Trust the Word of God, for Elohim has spoken. Amen? Now here's the amazing thing. That at sundry times and in diverse manners, in times past, God spoke to us by our fore, through our forefathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us how? By the word. The word became flesh. You remember he was slain before the foundation of the world. Elohim said, no, no matter what Satan has done, no matter how far man has fallen, I am in covenant with this created order and I will redeem it. What is amazing is not only is God in covenant with us as people, He's in covenant with all of creation. Romans 8 tells us that all of creation groans for the manifestation of the sons of God. All of creation is under this curse. God is in covenant with creation. Jesus didn't come just to save you. He came to save all of creation. Why? Because it was created in love from the Father to the Son. He's restoring the love that the Father gave to him back to the Father. So when Christ came, he's coming for mankind who he set up as principle over this creation. But he's also coming for the little bunny rabbits. He's coming for the trees. He's coming for the birds. He's coming from the whales. He's coming for every animal, every created thing. So that all of creation, the flowers and the plants, everything is returned back to Father. Because God is in covenant with all that he created this is a wonderful story this is a big story and sometimes you have to look at the majesty of what we're in it's an amazing and wonderful wonderful story that we hear about it says now in Galatians Paul says Galatians 4 4 in the fullness of time God sent his son now wait a minute consider this okay I want you to meditate on that word. Every time we come around Easter, that verse is my verse. Uh, That's what I get stuck on. I guess I get stuck on at Christmas too. In the fullness of time. Now, time had a beginning, didn't it? The minute God spoke something material and physical into existence, time began. Because he set the moons and the stars and the planets and everything in an order in a physical universe, so the clock began to tick. There's a beginning to time. There will be what? An end to time. So between the beginning of time and the end of time, or the end of this dispensation when Jesus will restore everything back to the Father, in that time, there was a fullness. There was a pregnancy. There was a moment in which God was going to act and pursue the full redemption of what had fallen. He was coming to rescue that which had fallen into broken covenant with God. And that is when Christ came in the fullness of time. It was 4,000 years after Adam and Eve. So what is that fullness of time? I don't understand it, but when we get there, we'll look back and go, oh yeah, that's it. It's at the right time, in the right place, at the right moment, God did exactly what was necessary to be done. You can't know that till you can measure out the rest of what it is in the fullness of things. Some of you don't understand what God's doing. You don't know where he's going with it. You're thinking he's a little bit too late. We always criticize him for being late, but you know what? He's always on time. Always on time. But we don't know. You can't know in a finite mind. You must trust Elohim. He's in covenant with you. He he redeclared that covenant with you through his own body and blood. How long must you doubt? What else can he do? And I want to bring you to the pinnacle. The fullness of the Godhead is found here on the cross. When Jesus hanging on the cross for our redemption cries out that covenant name, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. What name is he calling on? The covenant name of God. And I want you to go to the depths right now of something so eternal and so beyond our grasp if we could just get a hint of it and begin to understand that as Jesus is crying out the covenant name of his father, Eli, Eli, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you understand how strange that is for Jesus the Son to say that to the Father? they are one and for Christ to say why have you forsaken me he is calling out to the covenant name of God but Jesus took on our sin and our position with God he in fact took on the curse and became cursed so that he could cry this cry to God on our behalf now think of the father who is in love with the Son, who is in perfect, complete covenant with the Son, must now pour out His eternal judgment and wrath upon His beloved. Why? Why would God do this? To show this love for His creation. Ultimately, for us. Do you see? Do you see? God is inseparable. God is in perfect love. But yet, what would he do for you and I? Jesus would become a curse to his Father to demonstrate the love of his Father for us. And the Father who loves his Son at his in perfect unity would pour out eternal judgment and wrath on his beloved so he wouldn't have to pour it out on you. Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And as he's crying that out, we're not being forsaken, nor is Christ. But in fact, it is the greatest demonstration of covenant love ever displayed. But the cost, oh, the cost. The cost tore God's heart apart. This is his story his great love and there are so many yet out here that that love is for we complain and we grumble and we we argue and we want every now and then we must fall to our knees and say oh God how great thou art how great thou art But I want to tell you something. There's a conclusion to this story. The creator God made creation in seven days. Day one, he said it was good. Day two, he said it was good. Day three, four, five, he said it was good. Day six, he made Adam. And he didn't say it was good. He told Adam, name the animals till Adam realized he needed a mate from God. And God created woman from Adam and brought her to him. And in doing that he then said it is very good. And so I conclude with this, brothers and sisters. First Corinthians fifteen, twenty two says this. Well, you know what? Let me let me take you first to Peter. There is a plan and, and, and you've heard this verse before and you must understand that in the last days people will scoff and argue. I'll paraphrase it very quickly. They'll say, where is your God, huh? Since the beginning, nothing's changed. And they forget that God in fact did change the earth that then was with a flood and he's reserving for the end with fire. No, God is coming and he says he's not slow. But he says Do not forget this one thing. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promises as some think or understand slowness. Instead, He is patient. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You see, this love demonstrated at the cross, this great love demonstrated as we celebrate Easter, is to get more people here. It's been 2,000 years, but if we go by God's timetable, if a year is like a thousand to the Lord, or a thousand is like a day to Christ, could it be that the timetable that God had set is a week, a, a thousand, sevens, 7,000 years? Could be. We don't know. 4,000 years from Adam to Jesus. It's been 2,000 years now. Almost 2,000 years, which makes six to this day before Christ comes to rule and reign for 1,000 years. Some people do the math. Some people think that that's how it's going to go down. And so before Christ's 1,000-year reign, we've got just about 15 more years Now, I am not saying Jesus is going to return in 15 years, but if that were the case, what would you do? How would you live if I told you he had 15 years before Jesus returns? Would you live differently? Would it motivate you differently? Would you be challenged to live differently? And I pray that you're already living that way. That to have to have a timetable or anything else, I can tell you this I don't know when Jesus is returning. I have no idea. 15, 20, another generation? I don't know. I do know one thing. That we are 2,000 years past the resurrection of Jesus Christ and we are that much closer to the end. To the end of days. And what is the end of days going to accomplish? 1 Corinthians 15 says this. Then comes the end when He delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when He puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power, ultimately, so that God may be what? Elohim. Everything is back into the unity of Elohim. Christ will rule and bring all things subject unto Him, under His feet, and He will return all that was made through Him and for Him Unto the Father in covenant perfection and the Father will receive it and, dis- and ascribe unto His Son a name that is above every name that at the, Son, at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess He is Lord to the glory of the Father and Elohim is in unity again. And I close with this. The priestly prayer that Jesus prayed. He said this, Father, I pray that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us. Elohim. Covenant. He's invited us into the covenant love of God. What? That's what this is all about. Elohim is God who has a plan who is in perfect covenant with all of creation which he is redeeming and will redeem your part of that plan so that you may be one with Elohim God and know his covenant power you've been invited to participate in the very divine love of God himself as we celebrate Easter we've got something to celebrate Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.